Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. To Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And the Bucks beat the Knicks again. It's another blowout as the first two meetings with the Knicks were this season. They win 128, 102. Everyone on the Bucks active roster gets their time to play in this one. And there's some games where you're watching this Bucks team at the moment where you know immediately that the talent is just the, the difference in talent is just so great that this is never really going to be a game. And sometimes you look for little things to take out of the night, Frank. Tonight, it was Giannis pump faking, drawing a foul from three, and then he hit all free throws as well. The floor is yours. I, I feel like this is, your, this is your time. That was your moment. What, what do you want to talk about uh, what you saw there from Giannis? Well, the irony is uh, I was at a work dinner tonight, so I was kind of like sneaking... Uh, peaks at my uh, uh, phone <laughs> during the game and I snuck away actually literally like right uh, when uh, he had just gotten that foul on uh, drawn the foul on Mitchell Robinson and I, I was watching on you know my NBA game time app and I saw in the play-by-play Mitchell Robinson like shooting foul but it doesn't tell you like who he fouled right. so I, I kind of walked away under the um, guise of going to the bathroom um, and uh, started to, you know, put, put put the game on. And there's always like a like a little bit of a delay. And so I was kind of confused because then it was like Middleton was shooting technical free throws. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And uh, and then they started saying, you know, Giannis uh, shooting three free throws. And I was like, okay, he's drawing three, <laughs> three point files now. Uh, and yes, I, I was not nervous because, you know, he had shot free throws well all game. And obviously there was no doubt about the result or anything like that. Um, but yes, it was, uh, as, as probably the person who, um, is as emotionally invested as any person in Giannis's free throw shooting. I, uh, you know, I did not shed a tear, but you know, mm. I metaphorically maybe, and I, I probably should have, uh, but yeah, it was, um, a night that obviously with Giannis, I mean, fewer than 22 minutes <laughs> at the end of the day, and he scores 37 points on 17 shots and, uh, it was funny watching the game on on replay um, because I, I mean obviously I knew what what happened in the game, um, but you know having watched it on my phone, it was just like weird, especially in that third quarter, seventeen points uh, in like six minutes basically in yeah. the third quarter, and and just you know every play it seemed the ball got to him and he was driving or you know somehow coming up the ball and finishing or hitting a three or you know on that play drawing a three point a three shot shooting foul. Uh, which is just pretty wild. So, uh, yeah, I mean, everything kind of came up Giannis and obviously very encouraging to see given, uh, you know, the, the whole Sacramento, <laughs> yeah. the whole c- concerning night in Sacramento and then for him to bounce back with the big night in Portland. And then obviously tonight, I mean, uh, just the points per minute was off the charts uh, tonight. I, I don't, 
I'm kind of curious. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably got to be right up there with his his biggest nights in terms of um, points per minute, right? Um, you know, probably his his 52 point game last year against the Sixers might have been close, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just just an outrageous um, just an outrageous night of of scoring for for Giannis and. Uh, he's backed up to 30 points a game, 30.0 even. I did. I thought once he went down below it the other night, I figured, eh, you know, he tends to score less as the season goes on. Um, you know, his, his points per game number tends to decline over the course of a season generally. And obviously with the injuries and just the fact that he doesn't play a lot of minutes, um, I thought, eh, maybe that's it. He's just not going to, you know, score. The 30-point dream is, is over. But he is back up at 30 points per game even. And his minute – average is now down to 30.6 <laughs> which is just crazy that he's averaging 30.6 minutes per game and um you know again that, that would be by far the fewest minutes per game ever played by an mvp i think steph curry is uh has the other record i think the one year where he was just under 33 i think was the uh is the only other um thing you know they're the, the current record i believe uh so i mean not even close to what to what Giannis is doing right now so yeah uh the Knicks, the Knicks, so the Westchester Knicks, as it were, uh, not not really a good test. Although they have been playing much better defense since Mike Miller came in as interim coach. But watching that game, I just had the feeling like I think I, what I've read is they've sort of gotten a lot better by simplifying their defense. But the problem is simple doesn't really work against Giannis because you have to really gang tackle and be coordinated and load up in ways that you probably aren't going to do, you know, in kind of like a normal, you know, a, a normal type of game. So. Uh, I'd say that's that's exactly what we saw. They just they just were not ready to play a player of Giannis's capabilities, and obviously he just sort of had everything working tonight. Yeah, it was interesting. I I, I thought for the Knicks actually one. I mean, a really tough night for them. But but RJ Barrett finished with twenty two points. He was five for seven from three. Uh, I mean, at least you have to look for some positive if you are the Knicks and the fact that he was able to hit threes. And it was interesting. I I spoke to him after the game and I asked him. What uh, about his three-point shooting and whether he's seen anything from this Bucks defense uh, previously that told him that he was going to be able to get those? And he straight away said, yeah, I, I knew. He goes, I know that the Bucks are going to give me open threes. And if I shoot them with confidence, I know that I'm going to get my fair share of open looks. But then after that, I moved on to Giannis. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about the, that third quarter stretch from Giannis where he's getting downhill and, and you're trying to stand in front of him, do anything you can to try and slow him down. I said, what are you actually thinking when that's happening? And uh, he just sort of like sat back in his chair and was just like, oh man, he is just, he is just ridiculous, man. He's the Greek freak that I didn't even know what you're supposed to do about that. And I was like, yeah, this is a, this is a young guy that's just coming to the league. And, and he was just like, I didn't even know how you stop that. And if you want to find out how a guy can have 37 points in 21 minutes on the floor, while uh, nine for 12 from two point range, three for five from three point range and 10 for 12 from the free throw line, uh, is is going to help you do that. And uh, an interesting stat that's just uh, come up on Twitter uh, from... Uh, I, I, I can't actually remember who, who was that tweeted this, but the most games with 30 or more points while playing less than 30 minutes in a single season since the, since the merger. Giannis has now done that seven times. And don't forget, mm. this is game 42 <laughs> of, of the regular season. He's overtaken Steph Curry in, in, from 2015, 2016. We did it six times for the entire season. Giannis now has done that more than anyone, and we've still got half a regular season left to go. 
To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at home cycling experience at less than half the price of Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, but mums and dads, first responders, and elite athletes whatever your activity level may be. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym again. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under a 1000 bucks. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Yeah, and I think there was a stat uh, maybe a couple weeks ago that he also already has the record for most 20 and 10 games in under 30 minutes in a season. <laughs> um, so it, it, and it's really interesting because I think it just underscores, you know, I mean, people talk about load management and, and, and all that. And, and this is obviously a little bit different, right? I mean, I think when people complain about load management, they're not complaining about players few, playing fewer minutes. They're playing about just guys not like missing games. Play right. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously Giannis is not, you know, he's not, he's not held out of a lot of games, obviously just including that, that back to back last weekend. Um, but it, it is, again, it's remarkable that a player of his stature who who's obviously at the peak of his powers is the MVP will be the MVP unless anything changes or obviously God forbid an injury this year. Uh, it, it is remarkable and, and pretty unprecedented that a guy would be, able to do what he does and that his team would be as successful as they are with him playing so few minutes. And, and, you know, you just think historically, I mean, in the, you know, 60s, 70s, like guys played monster amounts of minutes, right. Even though they played at a super fast pace, but minute totals were, were really high. And, you know, that really continued um, really until the last, like, I don't know, maybe the last decade. Right. And uh, you know, the irony is, you know, Greg Popovich, you know, you kind of look at the Spurs as, as maybe the bellwether for that pop and, and the way that he was able to manage minutes. I think, and again, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not able to like verify this, but just looking at, you know, the last, the great teams of the last decade, the title winning Spurs in 2014, I think are the only team, um, certainly the only like great team. I mean, that, that played, that didn't have anybody play over 30 minutes per game. You know, maybe there's some really bad team at some point that did that. I, I don't know, but I was looking at like the best teams. Um, you know, the, the, the Warriors never did that. Steph was always at 33 plus minutes. Uh, but that Spurs team, I think it was Kawhi Parker. And uh, I don't know. I can't remember if it was, I think it was Duncan, not Ginobili. I think Ginobili was less or fewer. Sorry. Uh Ooh. But those three were at, yeah, we're at 29 minutes per game, uh, which again, like I, I don't think Giannis is going to finish under 30, but I mean, how incredible would it be if Giannis puts up these just awe-inspiring numbers that are, you know, even better than he had last year and he's playing, you know, multiple minutes um, fewer than, than a year ago. It's just, it's just really um, remarkable. But uh, again, just, just speaks to how good, uh, how good this Bucks team has been in addition to how good Giannis has been. I think, um, I'm not sure if folks thought, I think I t- tweeted it out, Kirk Goldsberry at ESPN in an article 
and uh, you know just talking about like how the, this year's bucks are different and uh you know he had a stat a table in there showing how good uh the kind of some of the best teams are this year without their best player and you know i think i want to say the clippers might have been a very slight positive without Kawhi. um but uh you know the bucks by far are the best team without their superstar i mean the bucks were at plus almost seven points per 100 without Giannis. and when you think about how incredible they are with him on the court to then also be plus seven without him on the court. I mean, again, that's why they can afford to play him 31 minutes a game, not even that, and, and still do, you know, the kinds of things that we saw tonight. And there's just been so many games this year where it's almost just been comically plays, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23 minutes. And, you know, he still puts up these monster stat lines. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously we, we've spent all this time talking about Giannis, but, Certainly, given the way, you know, he's often, I don't want to say overlooked by us, but, you know, it's easy to sort of take for granted a lot of his brilliance. And tonight was just fun because, again, just, I mean, for him to do it, uh, the, the per minute rate of brilliance tonight was just off the charts. And, and again, it's the Knicks. So, you know, you can, you can grade it on a curve. But, uh, you know, it, it, just, it just underscores how incredibly talented he is. And, and again, the Knicks, you know, if the Knicks have – a strength that's that they have a lot of like power forward slash center types, yeah. you know, I mean, you Mitchell Robinson bodies, right? Yeah, exactly. Mitchell Robinson is a really physically talented dude. We saw Giannis Euro step him and just completely shake him. You know, Robinson's always right up there as far as blocks per minute. You know, he's, he's no slouch. I mean, you can't just, you know, it's not like you can just back him down and dunk on him, but um, you know, what Giannis did to, to him, to Julius Randle, uh, Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson tonight. I mean, you know, they, they just didn't have any answers for him. And three out of five threes, hits free throws, um, you know, everything kind of was just working, had some nice passes. Uh, again, this was just, you know, the MVP at the peak of his powers. And um, that is uh, that is a fun, fun, fun thing to watch. Yeah, just uh, before we do move on to anyone else, a couple other things just to, to follow up on some of the stuff you've said there. So when you talk about the minutes per game for Giannis at the moment, uh, he only played 28.6 minutes per game in December. And now for January after tonight, that's gone down to 29.2 minutes a night. Uh, even in even in October and November, he's only just over 32 a night. But uh, this is, uh, I mean, it's trending down <laughs> the longer the season goes. And the crazy thing about that is that while the Bucks continue to pile up wins and extend the, their lead at the top of the East, uh, you're going to have an opportunity where you're going to be able to play him more games in this low, uh, you know, even under 25 minutes. And, and that's the crazy thing that comes back to the other conversation we spoke about a couple of weeks ago where how much uh, or how low can you go before you're like, all right, this is, this is, he needs to play a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to monitor over uh, probably after the all-star break, but, but certainly in the lead up to the playoffs. The other thing that I don't even know if you want to talk about this anymore I just would like to to note this without further comment, perhaps. His free throw shooting, 57% in October, 61 in November, 62 in December. After tonight, he's up to 70% in January on 10 attempts per game. I, I, I'm not about to sit here and say that we're not going to be here again at some point in the next two weeks, lamenting a, a poor night at the free throw line for Giannis. But this is at least a trend that is going in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And, 
you know, like I said, I, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. I think he's up over 62% right now, which is obviously still nowhere near where you want it to be. You know, you talk about his, his outrageous scoring numbers, you know, if he's at 75%, when you shoot 10 free throws a game and you're at 75, and if you're at 75% rather than 61%, you know, simple math, 1.4 points you're leaving out there that, you know, literally free points that you're not getting. So uh, that that's what makes I think the scoring numbers even more remarkable. You know when you think about it. And by the way, I'm not sure if anybody noticed this. I I think it was uh, I think it was in the Christmas Day game. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when it was Dave Pash and Doris Burke were talking about his free throw shooting and and this this topic that hey you know he's not even shooting well from the free throw line, he's scoring all these points, and they were just like wildly, you know overestimating the impact of his of his free free throw shooting like you know because again you shoot 10 free throws a game so every 10 percent is worth one point right pretty pretty easy math um but i clearly they hadn't clearly thought about it and i think like pash was saying like oh if he starts hitting free throws he'd be at 34 35 a game it's like (laughs) no that's if he hit all of literally all of his free throws and then doris who of course i'm a big fan of doris uh, she she said you know if he's made a free he, he could be challenging Harden for the scoring lead and it's like uh, Doris no actually go the opposite <laughs> direction go the opposite direction no it, it, okay that's fine don't worry about it uh, but anyway yes it would be better if Giannis made more free throws um, and interesting in um, uh, Goldsberry and Kellen Pelton were on uh, the uh, Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst and Windhorst is like a notable he doesn't I mean, like the Bucks. Let's be honest. He doesn't believe in the Bucks. Let's he say. doesn't believe in the Bucks, but like he's also he's not really like he doesn't really you know, he's not like Zach Lowe or somebody who like really understands like right, right, the right, game. Right. You know, he's he's yeah. much more of a like I mean he's a former beat guy. You know, he's obviously got the LeBron connections. He's like a newsbreaker. And and that's like valuable. And I, I listen to the Hoop Collective pretty regularly. I you know, Jackie Mack and uh Tim McMahon are on there. They're they're generally good. Pelton I like a lot. Um so, I mean, you know, again, I'm not, like, going to say, like, oh, like, you know, uh, I, Windhorse is bad or something. Like, I actually enjoy him. He obviously stirs the pot in terms of rumors and things like that, which is, is enjoyable. Um, and he's not like, like, for instance, Nick Friedel, who just, like, doesn't know, doesn't really, he's just a beat guy who doesn't really, like, follow, you know, he doesn't, he's not like a basketball guy. And he has a long history of, he was like, oh, didn't really understand, like, why people thought the Bucks would, would have been better. Uh, when they fired kid, they was like, well, it's a big deal. The Bucks aren't really that talented. And then, you know, pick the Celtics because they had too much swagger last year. And, you know, just all this stuff that just like consistently like just Bucks hating. So Nick Friedel seems like a lovely guy, but you know, he's like number one on my, like, you know, Bucks shit list as far as <laughs> people who just don't give them credit. And again, it's like, you don't have to sit here and say like, Oh, the Bucks are definitely winning. A, definitely winning a championship because, you know that come on that's really hard to do right but just constantly like underselling what they are and what they're able to do um is annoying but anyway um in that pod goldsbury had a had a note about how in three of the bucks losses to the raptors Giannis, or in like the three close losses Giannis shot 40 percent from the free throw line right and we've talked about how he shot 58 percent in that series but i mean that really i think underscores like hey this is a really big deal like you know those were i think the three games were you know all like single there were three single digit games obviously there was a double overtime game um and so yeah i mean it's a it's a really big deal if he's not confident from the foul line if you can't count on him to be 
respectable from the free throw line. You know, even if they don't do hacky Giannis or whatever, um, like intentionally fouling him, um, just he's naturally going to get to the free throw line a lot. And if he's hitting, you know, half of his free throws rather than 70 or 80% of his free throws, I mean, that's, that could, that could be the difference, right. In, in these really close series. So obviously the more confident and comfortable he gets during the regular season. I mean, we saw last year, you got better as the year went on, finished at 73% and then it went down in the playoffs. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. He's had a, a knack for shooting worse in the, in the playoffs, but um, fingers crossed uh, it goes the other direction. And by the way, the other thing that really annoys me with Windhorst, he, and he did this again in this podcast, like he referenced the way Brazil and like some of the <laughs> international teams defended Giannis in the world cup. And he did this, like, I think this is like the third time he's referenced the world cup. And like, I think he mentioned like, Oh, some of the bucks players not playing well in the world cup, like before the season. And then I think he's talked about this a couple of times out like Giannis somehow like, Oh, the blueprint for how to stop Giannis is in what these random FIBA teams did on a, you know, a in playing FIBA basketball and B Giannis with the Greek national team and not the Milwaukee friggin' bucks, uh, which is just like, dude, are you freaking kidding me? Like you're talking about, <laughs> you know, FIBA, FIBA tournaments when Giannis is playing on Greece and not in, and acting like that's somehow referential for how to, you can defend him in the NBA. I mean, like just talk about the Raptors. Okay. Like it's not hard. Like right, if right. you want to make the argument that Giannis can be slowed down, there are actually NBA teams that are at least one team that has done that over a series. So anyway, all right, now I'm getting all hot and bothered Kane. So get, get us back on track. Are we, are we done with our, our Giannis discussion? I think, I mean, I think we've, we've praised uh, the, the, the freak probably enough tonight, but he deserved it. Yeah, I think we can probably move on, but I will say, like you, you pointed it out. I mean, this was it was only two games ago. Remember that that everyone's like, "Oh shit!" I mean, is is he going to have to have a week off? Like that was a legitimate thing that people were saying, and here we are against, uh, admittedly, Portland and New York, but it's been a pretty emphatic response from Giannis, and really, uh, this is what we've gotten uh, so used to seeing from him, and that's why uh, it's such a shock when he does have uh, a down game or a couple of down games, as it was. Uh, in this case, but as far as uh, other things of note from this game, I mean, we know how well the big three, if you want to call them that, played against Portland. Chris Middleton again tonight. I mean, this guy just, I mean, he just keeps getting uh, buckets. And look, only took nine shots tonight, 17 points, <laughs> three rebounds, three assists, uh, six for nine from the field, only uh, took two threes, but one for two from three as well, four for four from the free throw line. He's just an efficiency machine at the moment, scoring the ball. And then uh, Eric Bledsoe, positively, on, on the positive side of things, he hit his threes, two for four from deep, uh, but uh, just three for nine. He, he got into the paint pretty regularly, he was looking to be aggressive, as I think all the Bucks were, as you, you would be able to tell from the, the points in the paint count. The Bucks led that 56 to 48. Uh, and the other thing of note was the fast break points, which I think Bledsoe was trying to take advantage of a little bit there. At halftime, the Bucks had a 20 to zero lead in fast break points. They end up uh, winning that count 26 to six. Uh, so look, I, I thought Bledsoe was trying to be aggressive. He finished with only 11 points on the night, but really I, I think notably from this game, the, the biggest thing, if you wanted to talk about something that we saw that was different from the norm, Robin Lopez didn't play. Uh, I spoke about that yesterday with Justin. The fact he was going to be uh, given a rest. It was the first time that he's missed all season. 
So this meant that more than likely, one of Dragon Bender or DJ Wilson were going to get minutes. I asked Bart about it in the pregame. And I would say that his answer was not... Uh, let's just put it this way. It did not fill me with confidence that DJ Wilson was going to play tonight uh, early in the game, but probably anytime soon. Uh, basically, uh, Bud always talks about guys being prepared and having guys prepared to come into situations. And he always talks about that with a place like Pat Connor and Sterling Brown, all these guys that maybe might have a nine or two off here, but they will come in and play uh, with some regularity to keep them ready, keep them uh, in game shape. I asked him whether that was going to be the case with DJ as a guy that's played a fair bit in the past. Would he be coming into the rotation? And Bud basically said, look, I'd love to give DJ minutes, but uh, I also don't want anyone to get hurt. And I can't really create an opportunity for someone if it doesn't exist. <laughs> the, the, the quote was more lengthy than that. But also within the quote, he brought in Dragon Bender and said how much uh, uh, or how much they value him and what he's been able to do down in the G League. Bender came in in the first quarter certainly got uh, the opportunity ahead of DJ. Yeah, I just think if you wanted any indication of where he sits at the moment in the pecking order and in the thought process of, uh, is this a guy that we're going to need in the playoffs? Is this a guy that we're going to potentially rely on to play valuable minutes? I don't think that's the, that's the case from what I, I took from that. Yeah. And our uh, friend of the pod, uh, former host of the pod, Steve Unhorn, I thought had a good response. You know, you, you tweeted out um, but the kind of full quote. You know, he said, it is what it is. And Steve said, why is Bud talking like he's a passive observer here? <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, well, you're the coach. You could just say, Ursan or Rolo, like, we crush teams nightly. Like, just we're going to rest you tonight, right? Like, I mean, you could do that. And, and that's really the argument, I think, for any of these young guys is, you know, again, I mean, has DJ been impressive when he's gotten opportunities? Well, I mean, he's gotten so few opportunities during yeah, any type to of, say, yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, it's impossible to really argue, I think one way or the other, because most of his time has just been garbage time, you know? And again, I don't really think it's useful to make much of any assessment on guys when they're out there with, you know, Pat Connaughton and Thanasis and, um, you know, Rolo and no point guard and you know it's just it's like what do you make of that right and and even if guys like put up stats or something like that um you know again you're going up against garbage units there's the structure of the offense is minimal so and, and with DJ as well I mean he's obviously a guy you're you put in there much more for defense than offense anyway um but he's certainly forced it offensively when he's gotten minutes typically in garbage time um and and that's really most of what his opportunity has been so yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting tonight. I mean, because Dragon hasn't been sniffing anything. I mean, he, you know, he, we've seen him in a handful of garbage time um, opportunities, but I mean, he's mostly either not dressed or with the herd, right? So for Rolo to be hurt and um, for Bender to be the guy that gets plopped into the rotation, I mean, I think obviously that that says a lot about DJ because let's be honest. I mean, yes, Bender is more of a center than DJ is. So you could say, well, it's more like for like replacement for Rolo. But I mean, look, the Bucks played Ursan, DJ, you know, as essentially like interchangeable four or five guys um, for, for a while last year, especially before the Miritich uh, deal. Um, you know, there was a while there, especially when Thon went out of the rotation in, in early January, 
uh, where, you know, it was DJ, Giannis, Ursan, and, and Brooke that were really the bigs that played every night. So, you know, I don't, I wouldn't look at this and say, oh, well, you know, just because Rolo's a center and DJ isn't a real center. Well, come on. It's the Knicks. Like, if you, <laughs> if you wanted to reward the guy who has been there, who, you know, has not been in the G League and, and say, okay, you know, here's your opportunity, then this was an opportunity you definitely could have done that instead. Um, you know, there was obviously a ton of garbage time. So, I mean, DJ did see a bit of action, but, but again, I don't think it was really much of an opportunity to, to make much of any type of assessment, you know, Sterling Brown also same thing. I mean, Sterling's at least played and I mean, less than a week ago, I mean, four days ago, Sterling looked really good and was really a, a game changer against the Kings. And, you know, similarly, uh, he's also still sitting around like watching while Pat Connaughton and Corver get first half minutes and, you know, Sterling's still more or less relegated to, to mop up duty. And, and again, it's just like, yeah, I mean, okay. If, if you want to argue like, well, Sterling or, you know, Ursan has earned minutes over DJ. That's totally true. Right. I mean, I think Ursan had some struggles on the road trip, but he was good again tonight, hit shots. So, um, you know, hopefully he's kind of back on track a little bit, but um, like with Sterling versus Pat Connaughton or Sterling versus Corver, I mean, to me, that's not clearly a, I mean, that, that, that's a much more, um, let's say debatable uh, decision to, to leave those guys getting those pretty regularly min- regular minutes in the rotation while Sterling obviously is, has been relegated to mostly bench duty. So um, anyway, I, you know, we can be happy. I think that at least Bender, we got to look at Bender tonight and uh, you know, it doesn't score in 21 minutes, which kind of surprised me, but you know, in a lot of ways I like, I, I know Bender can shoot. I, I mean, I, I think he can be a useful offensive player. He had a couple assists tonight. Um, you know, I think that's something we've seen from him consistently. Uh, I mean, I think the fact he, he looked better defensively tonight, moved his feet better. He looks a bit slimmer and trimmer than when we saw him in the preseason. I remember thinking, hmm, he looks slower than I kind of thought he would be. Um, looked more like like a, I don't know, just like kind of a plotter at times yeah. in, that, in the preseason. And I thought, you know, and, and this is, I think, what part of probably what the Bucks wanted to do with getting him time with the herd and getting him with the training staff is just get him into better shape. And it seems like he is, um, and again, it might be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to act like I um, have any data to support that, but he looks trimmer, looks to be moving well. And, you know, again, it's not like he turned into Brooke Lopez protecting the rim tonight, but I thought his fundamentals, you know, just staying vertical, um, he had a block early, uh, you know, I, I think there was another one where it looked like he might have blocked it, but I don't know if he was credited with one in the second half. I thought he looked much better than he did in the preseason where he was just kind of a fouling machine um, and still picked up some fouls tonight. I think one was an offensive foul, but um, you know, I thought he, he didn't stick out defensively. And, and again, obviously with Bud, um, that's probably the biggest thing, right? I mean, if you're willing to shoot threes um, and I think he will typically do more than we saw tonight where he really wasn't that involved as far as shooting the ball. Um, You know, if you competently defend and, are in the right spots. That's, that's more important than, you know, hitting some open shots, which I think we, we know he's capable of doing. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, who knows if, if uh, Mike, it doesn't seem like Rollo's got like an injury that's going to keep him out long or anything. So this may be the, the maybe this is the only time we see Dragon for a while, but uh, I'm at least encouraged that, that, but at least gave him a shot and, you know, didn't just throw Ursan out there for <laughs> 35 minutes or something. 
Yeah, after or first of all, just just to sort of um, confirm that, uh, Bud did say before the game that there's absolutely nothing wrong with with Robin. Um, it was just purely the fact that uh, he he had played every game and they just gave him a night off. Uh, I guess uh, against the Knicks, you probably feel <laughs> pretty pretty comfortable doing that. Uh, but he also spoke about Dragon after the game, and he was as you pointed to. He was very happy. This won't surprise anyone, but Bud said he was very happy with his defense. He likes his discipline and the, and the rim protection he can bring. Uh, we know how important that uh, is to this Bucks team and the way they try and play defense. But he also said he likes the fact that uh, he does shoot the three well and, and makes uh, generally smart decisions offensively. And I thought we saw that tonight. I mean, yeah, there was a couple uh, opportunities had to finish in the paint. He would have probably liked to see him finish those, but... Uh, he he did look kind of nimble, particularly on that first move, his first touch, really. He sort of faked the three, uh, put the ball on the floor, looked like he was going to be able to finish. Unfortunately, it didn't go. Uh, I think ultimately it doesn't matter as long as the Bucks are healthy. He's not going to play anyway because Robin's going to come straight back into those minutes. But I, I just, you know, again, uh, I had some... Uh, after I, I sort of tweeted out that, that quote pregame, obviously DJ has become a, a somewhat of a fan favorite, I would say. And uh, people want to see him play. You just look at it. This was the chance. So, so within the space of one week, Friday night in Sacramento, Ersan Uyasova doesn't play. DJ still doesn't come into the lineup. Tonight, uh, Robin Lopez doesn't play. This time it's Dragon Bender that comes in. I mean, it, that's that's really all you need to see right now for where DJ is. And uh, we spoke a lot in the mailbag, uh, Frank, about the, the trade possibilities and what could be coming. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if, if you're going to package one of these young guys, uh, someone that may, seriously, like a team might look at what he did last year defensively, what he could bring, his athleticism, uh, the fact that, you know, his three-point shot is up in the air, but he's he's got some skills that could translate to the NBA. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's feeling a little uh, similar to last year with another guy that was not going to be in the rotation that another team may value some stuff that he's had that hasn't translated with that player. But it, it feels like a somewhat of a similar situation and we don't have too many more uh, days or weeks here to, to, to find out if something happens. Yeah, I mean, again, like with where the Bucks are, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a ton of urgency to make a move just to make a move, right? I mean, there's certainly some teams out there that maybe are in a spot where um, they feel like they need a shot in the arm. Bucks, thankfully, so far, obviously not not in that spot. But, um, you know, we saw a year ago, uh, John Horst obviously was proactive as far as making the Meritage move, even while they had the best record in the league. And, um, you know, ironically, that uh, that move coincided with DJ falling out of the rotation and DJ Wilson yeah. really kind of disappearing, you know, effectively as far as being a guy that, um, you know, the Bucks had had relied on for really from mid-December of last year uh, up until kind of around the deadline. You know, he was a guy that, that actually was getting regular minutes and obviously, I think, impressing a lot of us with, um, you know, mainly his defense, but also uh, you know, the ability to be kind of like that complimentary, like role-playing offensive player. So um, again, I, I just remind folks, I mean, on the one hand, like it's kind of hard to believe we're already in the second half of the season and the trade deadline's only a month away. Uh, the flip side is there's still, you know, almost 40 game, you know, 40, 40 games left. Right. So um, there's, there's still a lot of time for some of these younger guys to get a look and uh, obviously not, not portending well for for DJ's situation that that he's you know behind Dragon Bender tonight, but um, 
you know, still, still time to, to take a look at, at what all these younger guys, how they might fit in. And, and again, probably the, the best thing going in their favor as far as continuing to be Milwaukee Bucks is just probably just, again, the lack of urgency to do something different. And, and again, with, you know, with a guy like DJ, okay. Uh, if you do make a move, well, what do you, what are you trading for with DJ Wilson on his own, given he doesn't have a big contract again, like you could maybe try to get another, um, you know, more role playerish type rotation player plays a different position maybe. Um, but on the flip side, I don't know. I mean, again, like I, I, I kind of like the idea of having DJ Wilson. I mean, this is why we, we keep talking about the potential of trying to see what you have with him, see if maybe he can be useful at some point. Um, so uh, stay tuned. We'll have, we have a few more weeks to, with which to speculate and we'll see if, you know, which of these guys get an opportunity to actually show us something on the court in between now and then. All right, so the Bucks, as I said, uh, did beat the Knicks 128 102, 36 and 6 on the season. So uh, 30 games over 500 now uh, in the middle of January. I mean, it's just incredible. And, and again, I keep on saying it, but to, to think back to the 2 and 2 start, uh, you know, you would have, I mean, there's just no way you would have believed that this team would, would win 34 of the next uh, 38 and be 36 and 6 as we sit here today. But uh, that's, you know, that's where they've been able to build to. And uh, now, in a couple of days, they have a pretty fun game against the Boston Celtics, one of the teams that beat them earlier in the season when the Bucks had a huge lead on the road in Boston and coughed that one up. But uh, before we wrap it up, Frank, I, I just do want to mention um, the, the new theme music or the new intro music that we have. Uh, it's kind of like a, it's a tradition now with me. I would like to think that we've got some new listeners as well since, uh, since I jumped on. I think I'm, I'm about 60 episodes in now. But uh, if you remember back to my first episode where it was the first time I'd ever edited a podcast, by the way. And uh, I think I, I might have blew some eardrums of uh, our poor listeners with the, with the volume of the commercials, of the ads during that first podcast. Well, I, I think that may have been the case again uh, with, the, with the intro music. Yeah, we've done some work and uh, hopefully uh, you're a little more prepared for that today. But it's just a tradition now. It's just, uh, it's just what happens. Any, any changes happen to the podcast, I, I uh, uh, attempt to do irreparable ear damage to our, to our lovely listeners, which is uh, not ideal. You are not a professional producer like uh, our guy Danny Shred, uh, alas. But um, no, fortunately, fortunately, he is the 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 one professional in the in the outfit we have here. Yeah. So um, anyway, we're we're happy to have Danny at least doing his thing, and uh, <laughs> hopefully you uh, you can just you know not not mess things up too badly. And uh, as for me, I don't have to do any of the editing or anything ever. So I I'm not really one to be in a position to complain in the first place. So uh, thank you to everybody who, who actually does any work related to this podcast. Whereas I just show up, you know, blather for 45 minutes about, you know, a game against the Knicks and uh, then go on my way the next day. And uh, yeah, uh, but appreciate all you guys listening and especially shout out to you Kane for doing the heavy lifting here night in and night out as, as Eric did before, before you, I'm, I'm pretty much just, um, you know, I'm pretty much just a, a, a pretty face or a pretty face for radio, I guess, uh, blathering away and you guys do the, the actual work. 
Well, I've, I've adjusted now. I've been back in Milwaukee for two and a half weeks. So we used to record, obviously, with the time difference. It was always at around 3 or 4 p.m. Uh, in the day back home. So I'd just you know, be able to take my time, do this, do that. Right now, it's, uh, it's nearly midnight. So by the time, uh, well, you were working. So that, that's, you know, before you, you say that, I'd always like to point out you, you do have a real job. That, uh, that, that, that is why uh you aren't doing the other stuff because you have to actually get up early and you spend too as much time as you do talking with me anyway but yeah it's the it's a it's a late i'm on the late shift with this with this but it's good we've figured it out i've adjusted to the the time difference and uh and here we are so as i mentioned how how are you how are you coping uh with with the texans loss was it was that a uh what, what was that what was that like were you uh, see, I I actually watched on DVR, and I had seen suggestions on uh, Twitter. Kind of uh, accidentally, just sort of saw some suggestions that you know the Texans had a hot start. So I I, I experienced it in a very weird way because I pretty much saw the first half in the span of like ten minutes, fast forwarding. So I had I didn't you know, and obviously I'm not a, a big Texans fan like you, although I was rooting for them in that game. Uh, I I don't know what was your emotional state like. In, in that roller coaster of a what was it fifty one to thirty one was that the final score yeah fifty one to thirty one well i couldn't really believe it what was happening put it this way that the the way that the game ended was much more believable to me or what I thought could potentially happen than the first quarter and a couple of minutes or whatever it was so i you know they get the touchdown in the first possession I'm like well that's great that's unbelievable then they they block the punt and score again. And then uh, uh, Hill fumbles the, the the kickoff. And I was just like, this is just unbelievable. And I said to my friends, I was watching with a couple of friends, and I said, I cannot believe that this is happening. Uh, and it was hard not to think. I'm like, wow, the Texans could be at home in the championship game. This is like unbelievable. But at the same time, I was like, well, the only reason the Texans are winning right now is because the Chiefs are just blowing everything. They couldn't catch anything. They were making mistakes. So I was definitely very wary that if – if momentum changed, it could really change in a hurry. And unfortunately, I, th- I think the Texans did quite a few things to help that momentum swing. So that was frustrating. But I, I mean, I was, I knew like that, that, I mean, it was three minutes, I think, where it went from a 24 point lead to a one touchdown lead or whatever it was. And by that point, I was like, well, there's just no way the Texans can, can respond from this and come back. So it was unfortunate, but the Chiefs are a better team. And, uh, you know, to think that the Texans could have had a home championship game is absolutely absurd in itself. They're not that good. So, uh, I can, I've, 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 I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it. We've still got the box as, as, as plenty of our listeners and follow and my followers on Twitter quickly pointed out, they were, they were keeping my spirits high. They said, the box is 35 and six. Just remember that. Like they're going pretty well. And I'm like, yeah, maybe that's what I need to think about right now. It's pretty amazing that the Texans had a twenty-four nothing lead, and by the by halftime, I already felt like they had no chance of winning. Right? Like, what was it, twenty-eight to twenty-four or something at halftime? And and it felt like, yep, that's it. They're not. (laughs) They can't stop anything. Uh, That was pretty strange. Uh, Meanwhile, the Packers had a very Packer game. They just sort of had a really good like two quarters, and then they kind of just you know went into their three and out offense mode in the second half and Russell Wilson did stuff as Russell Wilson does. And then uh, thankfully uh, it was nice to see Aaron Rodgers throw up with some big, come up with some big time throws uh, yeah. in that, uh, in that last drive. So I, I have very little 
uh, hope I'm uh, managing my expectations significantly for this second trip to uh, to uh, San Francisco. Uh, I am not expecting much, but I mean that is it is wild though, right? With the NFL, I mean you win two games and you're you're in the Super Bowl if you have a bye. So okay. um, it's it's pretty crazy. It's so close to being in another Super Bowl, and with uh, you know with again, like I'd say that the Chiefs are obviously would be. I, I would assume the Chiefs would certainly be favored if the Packers did make it to the to the Super Bowl and the Titans lost to the Chiefs. Uh, I, I don't know. You never you never know. It's one game on on what it, Sunday I guess right Sunday night the Packers play. It's a one game thing, so you never know what might happen. But uh, before then, yeah, Celtics Bucks. I'm excited for that. We can probably talk about that a little more tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely touch on that one tomorrow. And also a shout out to while we while we do have the Packers, Aaron Jones and Darius Smith were at the game uh, tonight. And by far, let me just say, I wasn't even close to the to the loudest uh, cheers from the crowd when they were shown uh, on the on the big screen. There, I think you know, I mean, it's. It, when the Bucks are winning by 35 points or whatever they were at the time, I, I think the, the crowd was looking for something to, to get uh, involved with. And, and those two, uh, not a bad effort from them, by the way. It's not like uh, they got anything big happening this week. They just thought they'd uh, come down to Milwaukee and check out a, a Bucks game, which is uh, just kind of fun. Uh, uh, Smith got up at the end and walked past the Bucks bench and was sort of high-fiving Eric Bledsoe. We saw he walked into the game with Bledsoe's jersey on the other day. But... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a big week for the Packers. It's actually it's fun to be in Milwaukee when the when the Packers are playing well. I was here a couple of uh, years ago, whenever it was, last time they they uh, were in the in the postseason, and it's fun. It's fun. It's uh, I'm hoping they can make it to the Super Bowl. That two weeks here would be uh, yeah, again it would be nice. It would be a cool experience to be around here with the Packers in the Super Bowl. So my fingers are crossed for them. Uh, but as for the Bucks, like you said, we can talk Bucks Celtics uh, tomorrow. They handled the Knicks, and thank goodness that Giannis was as dominant as he was. I'm not sure there would have been too many talking points otherwise, but we can leave it there for now. For Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tonight.